You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a growing network of people who believe the center of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, and that learning to take love seriously is vital for how we practice discipleship, mission, and leadership. The Gravity Leadership Podcast explores, in practical ways, how to root our lives and our leadership in this love that holds all of us and everything together. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Here Matt, we go. Here we go. Welcome Fire to up. the Gravity Leadership Podcast. We're uh, we're 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 here. We're ready to go. Yep. All right. Well, uh, we are. How many weeks in? I've lost track of time. Ten. Nine or ten. 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 I count it in Sundays. Sundays that we've had to be online. I think we've done ten of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming coming up. Actually, by the time you're listening to this, we've probably done eleven. Um, but, um, we're starting a new series today on parenting, on raising kids, on faith and discipleship and how that relates to young people, um, uh, especially the ones that live with us, uh, as our kids. Um, Matt, you just did a, um, this is one of the workshops we do. We do parenting in grace and truth. And obviously, uh, all of our workshops had to go, we had to postpone them. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to do them in the fall. But um, we took a couple of them online, and one of those was a parenting workshop you did online um, uh, just a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, 10 days ago from when this airs, May 16th, yeah? Yeah. Um, And I I wondered uh, if you would walk us through, I think sometimes it's surprising maybe to people, for people to see that we do... Our organization is called Gravity Leadership, and we do these parenting workshops. So what is what is it about parenting that made it feel like something that um, our organization would have something to say about? Well, it's uh, parenting is the only arena that all of us have either we share all of us share either having had parents or having <laughs> been parents. Mm-hmm. So we have experienced the leadership of parenting at mm-hmm. least one direction, if not two. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's an area 
or arena of our life where we many of us don't consider ourselves leaders. I mean, I've I've worked with people that yeah, um, right. actually they get triggered or get upset with me when I talk about them as a leader, and I yeah. there's reasons for that. I'm deeply deeply sympathetic to that. Sure. Um, but there there is a sense in which if you're a parent, mm-hmm. uh, I I'm happy to use a different word. But the dynamic of having authority on behalf of someone else exists. Yes. Right? right? Yeah. So so for then sure. yeah. And so then um the reason we do parenting workshops is because it's it's one of those things that a lot a lot of my leadership I can turn on and off, you know, mm. uh, as a pastor. Like if I'm in a staff meeting or in, a, in, a, in the pulpit or uh, meeting over Zoom with some leaders, like that lasts 90 minutes and then I can turn it off. Yeah. And I, I don't have to answer my phone, you know, yeah, even if somebody's calling. Yeah, I don't have yeah. to be uh, patient, kind, gentle, self-controlled, generous. You know, I don't have to mm-hmm. have fruit of the spirit, but like I can't turn my kids off. Mm-hmm. And so there's a sense in which whatever comes out in your parenting is something that is endemic or uh, it's it's there. It's It's part of who yeah. you are and as yeah and it's yeah. part of your leadership. And so it's like getting on getting in the ground level of yeah. who you are and how you lead on your worst day when you're when you haven't, you know, uh headbutted yourself in the mirror and had three cups of coffee and you're ready to go mm-hmm. for this staff meeting. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's when you wake up and you're grouchy and your back hurts and you have to use the restroom and your kids are asking you six questions at once and you're super hungry and you got a meeting in three minutes and you don't have time to parent. Right. So that's why we do parenting workshops, and and the feedback we hear from these workshops is actually striking and and encouraging to me. Um, hmm. We don't we try to change the paradigm of parenting, and mm-hmm. we try to give people a way of being as a parent rather than promises of like, here's six steps to get your kids to obey the first time. Or yeah. um, here's 30 days. If you can do these monumental superhuman things for 30 days, you'll change your kids. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, like I've gone to parenting workshops and I don't disagree necessarily with everything people say, but right. I leave feeling beat up. I leave yeah. feeling like I need somebody to work my full-time job for me so I can apply all the things that they told me to do. Mm. I leave feeling like, well, that'd be great if I was a type A personality or if I was super organized, you know, or if mm-hmm. I was like fun dad who always <laughs> wanted to do another adventure and I'm none of those things. Yeah. I'm not, then I'm not fun dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, sorry to burst anybody's bubble. Yep. Yeah. Just, if, if you were thinking about becoming my child. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I, I think what the way that our parenting workshop is different is uh, it's not a one size fits all. Yeah. It's not something that you have to, like find 20 hours during your week to do. Yeah. And and it's not something that you have to change your personality for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so even though there aren't super quick, easy answers we offer, we offer a tool and a paradigm shift that yeah. gives you access to every interaction with your kids in a deeper, more meaningful, hopefully uh, yeah. better way. Yeah. And so in, in some ways, it, I mean, it mirrors then, the, that's the way we train leaders as well. And so I, I found it interesting that as when people come through Gravity Leadership Academy, for example, oftentimes the first few things that people notice um, have to do not with their staff or their employees, 
you know, or the people they work with at work, wherever that is. But the first few things they notice are their relationships with their kids or with their spouse. And so there is this holistic, I mean, the first journey is called find your center. And so it's not about acquiring leadership skills that I can sort of put in my tool belt and pull out in the right moment. It's about becoming the kind of person who can lead out of their identity, lead out of who they are. Um, and so the, there's there's this integration of our character, uh, who we're becoming in Christ, and uh, our leadership, uh, how the space that we're opening up around us. And and uh, just like you said, Matt, the the our relationships with our uh, kids, with our spouses, the people that we live with are oftentimes very revealing yeah. about the kind of person we really are. Um, and that really helps us get at the heart issues that are present in the other arenas of our life, you know, yes. staff, employees, all that kind of stuff. Um, so yes. integrating these two things is, is really important. So that's kind of how we stu- I mean, we sort of stumbled into doing yes. these parenting workshops. People just kept asking us questions about parenting, <laughs> you know, in well, our yeah. leadership training and be like, well, yeah, in our cohort, do a- yeah. I, our cohorts, people bring, you know, Kairos is all the time to us about parenting. And the other yeah. side of that coin too, Ben, was that you and I were finding that the training we were receiving ourselves and submitting to ourselves was working its way out in massive shifts to how we parented our kids. Yes. Right. So it yeah. was just also paying attention to like the breakthrough and the battles we were having in parenting. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, something else to say about this workshop is that like, I, you know, it's always, be- it's, I think it's probably preferable for many people. If you are like 67 and you have five grown children, and all of them have wonderful white collar jobs and they're married with plenteous children and they're all happy, you know, uh-huh. and, they, you know, and they all uh, have Instagram cha- uh, accounts where they're uh, uh, influencers, you know, like there's a sense in which you kind of want proof the in the pudding. The getting crazier and crazier. <laughs> oh, I see. I see what you're saying. Like, proof in the pudding. That's like, who I want to teach me about parenting. Hey, I did these wonderful things guy. with my kids and here's the proof. They grew up and they haven't. Uh, they all you know, love they, Jesus. They all love Jesus. Fine. You know, none of them are, uh, none of them are uh, doing yoga at some Hindu center. So all, all this to say, <laughs> um, I, I need to get to the point. Uh, I have an 11 year old and an eight year old. Mm-hmm. And um, for instance, my son told me last night, dad, I think I need, I want to start praying in the morning. And I was like, buddy, that's great. And then this morning I forgot. And I didn't <laughs> to help, help him pray. <laughs> I forgot to help. Uh, the, you know, I'm a pastor. You're a, I'm a, you're a I, pastor, Matt. I yeah. forgot to help my son pray. Uh, yeah. uh, and so like, I, so I'm not, we're not doing this as the experts who can guarantee yeah. like results. Mm. I'm not, I'm not the ShamWow guy is what I'm saying, mm-hmm. you know, but rather <laughs> if like, <laughs> I think what gives veracity to our training is that like we're learning real time. Yeah. And what m- many parents need aren't experts under whose example they are being crushed. They need mm. models of how to learn yeah, and hope that what they're learning will help them co- become more faithful. Yeah. And I think that's what we can offer. Yeah. Uh, we, we hear that feedback a lot that, yeah, ultimately it's not uh, competence in parenting or expertise, but it's just our willingness to be vulnerable about our own repentance. You know, yeah. like yeah. if we can just share that with each other, I think there's uh, a... <sighs> there's an incredible power that gets released where yes. it's like, okay, I have permission to change. Um, yeah. I have yeah. permission to repent. 
I have permission to make a new decision. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great. That's great. Um, obviously right now, folks, uh, nobody's doing any live events uh, anytime soon, as far as we can tell, but there are, um, there are opportunities uh, perhaps to get something penciled in for the fall. We're sort of, you know, we're penciling in workshops for the fall, sort of with our fingers crossed and uh, with our, you know, prayers that we might be able to do some of these things, mm-hmm. um, might be able to travel uh, in the fall. But, yeah. um, but anyway, if you're interested in that, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. But if you just go to gravityleadership.com slash parenting, there's a bit more about our parenting workshops there. Um, I think that might be all we need to say before we get to this interview today with Natalie Frisk. Yeah. Um, oh, and she's awesome. Yeah. Like let's say that too. <laughs> yeah. She's really good. I, I really trust her instincts on uh, faith formation and kids. I trust, and we have used the material she writes at the meeting mm-hmm. house for our church for several years and have found it to be excellent. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Not, not your, uh, not your standard pablum, uh, that oftentimes gets dished out to children. I don't know what that word means, but it sounds like, like, you know, just like, uh, leftovers. Pablum. Uh, is that, right? that with a U? is that with a U or an A? P-A-B, P-A-B-L-U-M is the word that's in my mind. Bland or insipid intellectual fare. Bam. That's exactly what I was trying to say. <laughs> It's not your average bland or insipid intellectual fare that oftentimes gets you know passed off as children's ministry. You know, uh, we the, need their stuff is really good and it's a, free. We need somebody who understands our our brains to mm-hmm. come on and help us understand how we can throw out words that more often than not mean what we hope they mean, but we have no idea what they mean. Yeah, like how does our brain decide this word know. will do That's the trick? Cool. Yeah. I, I know what this means, but I couldn't, if you were like, what's the definition of pablum? I'd be like, I don't, it's, you know, it's the thing I was it saying. It feels you know. like this to me. It feels like the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, this, uh, th- this interview on how to f- make faith matter for our kids is coming up. Friends, we've also got, we've got an interview with Andrew Root about uh, the end of youth ministry. Oh man, that was good. Um, we've got an interview with Lacey Finn Borgo about having spiritual conversations with children, which was great. Mm-hmm. We've got an interview with Mark and Lisa Scandrett about, um, uh, creating a thriving family culture. And you're doing like a group online right now, Matt, aren't you? Like yeah. for a bunch of parents who are going through their book. And then uh, we're going to have an interview with Jared Boyd on leading kids in imaginative prayer. This is going to be a fun series. Yes, it will. Also, Ben, uh, I, I, th- I th- there's another definition of pablum before we um, get to this interview. Uh, <laughs> oh. Pablum is a processed cereal for infants originally marketed by the Mead Johnson Company in 1931. <laughs> it's amazing that it was for children. Yeah, perhaps uh, anyway. Perhaps uh, the trademark name is a contracted form of the Latin word pabulum, which means mm. foodstuff. Foodstuff. <laughs> what's, for, what's for breakfast, mommy? Foodstuff. Foodstuff. Yes, your average pablum. Um, anyway, well, all right, friends, get ready for this interview. It is not, expect it not to be pablum. This is high quality stuff. Or metaphorically pablum. Yep. It is. This is the good stuff. All right. Here's Matt's interview with Natalie.
Natalie Frisk, welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. I really appreciate it. Um, yes, we are we are quarantining, aren't we? We are. We are. We are in self-isolation. <laughs> My family's in day 10, 11, I think, of self-isolation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the love is just growing stronger and deeper, right? You know, we ha- it's like a roller coaster, really. It ebbs and flows. A roller coaster of love? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, here uh, us too. I think we've had some of the sweetest moments together as a family. Like yesterday, we sat on our bed, uh, the um, my wife and I's bed, and we played Would You Rather, mm-hmm. and I just kept peppering the kids with Would You Rather questions. Uh, and this is after we had had a semi meltdown because we wouldn't watch a family TV show together. Yes. Um, and it was just so so sweet, you mm-hmm. know. And then like uh, chores this morning, it was like the kids were arguing over who got to do. Uh, chore first and it was almost world war three so okay wow <laughs> yep this is it is the time my friend here we are yeah here we are well natalie you're on the podcast because um we want to talk about your book you've written a book called raising disciples how to make faith matter for our kids uh but uh and we're in the middle of a series on um on parenting but also just relating to our children uh, mm. whether it's our own kids or kids in our life and how we can do that more faithfully. Mm. But will you just introduce yourself to our listeners, uh, where you are, what you spend your time doing? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Natalie Frisk and I am married to a great guy named Sam and we have a daughter named Erin and she is eight and she is creative and funny and fantastic. And um, I live near near Toronto in a place called Hamilton, um, in fact, it's the same place that David Fitch, uh, author, uh, was born and raised in. And we love David Fitch. And uh, shout out to him. Um, I, I just someday I want him to know me. So I'm just going to keep using, like, <laughs> referencing him. Um, I think we'd be good friends and watch Thai Cats football together, which is from the Hamilton, of course. Yes. Um, and, uh, yeah, I spend my time, my days, as the curriculum pastor for the Meeting House Church, the Meeting House, um, some of your listeners may be familiar with Bruxy Cavey, uh, who's our teaching pastor. And together we have um, 20 different locations of the Meeting House across the province of Ontario, wow. which is pretty cool. And uh, several years ago, there was the desire to start um, creating kids' curriculum, kids and, kids and youth curriculum, that kind of matched the tone and the theology that we have at the Meeting House. And so... Believe it or not, some crazy people decided to ask me to uh, help to oversee that. And so I became the curriculum pastor six years ago and have been involved in building this really cool curriculum that uh, we have a team of people who are just amazing working together to um, create curriculum from birth until the end of high school. Or um, as I, I said to somebody the other day, diapers to diplomas. We cover that go. age category. And um, it's just my heartbeat to see kids um, come to know Jesus and follow him in real life in a faithful way. And so that's, that's kind of the long and the short of it, Matt. Yeah. 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 I had no idea the meeting house was 20 locations throughout Ontario. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, like in my understanding of like the Canadian church scene, um, Mm -hmm. that's like 140 locations. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, um, Canada is, very much, um, I guess, ahead of the curve, if you want to call it that, in that whole idea of being post-church, post-Christendom. Um, and yeah. so our landscape is quite different. Um, you can you know, enter into a community where literally 
people have grown up having never darkened the door of a church. Um, right. And so it's, it is a different, it's a, it's a different world to be in. Yeah. So some of our listeners will be familiar with Bruxy Cavey and the meeting house, but for those who aren't, um, you mentioned there's some distinctives about the meeting house and that would necessitate you not just using like a group right. or a youth specialties curriculum. So could mm-hmm. you maybe briefly summarize what are the particularities of the meeting house. Absolutely. Though I will say group and youth specialties both have some amazing curriculum content and I've been inspired by them through the years. Um, the meeting house uh, comes from an Anabaptist tradition and um, Anna is not anti-Baptist. It's not, when I was growing up, I thought it was anti-Baptist. And I was like, what, what do they have against the Baptists? <laughs> Nothing to do with that. Anna means re, re-baptize. The Anabaptists were the people during the, um, the Reformation who said, hey, you know what, those Protestants, those reformers didn't quite go far enough. We want to we wanna dig a little deeper. And so uh, they started doing this crazy thing called believer baptism, or maybe some of us call it adult baptism. And it mm-hmm. was being re-baptized because many of them, had, well, all of them would have been baptized as infants. Um, and so they were seen as these radical reformers. And so out of that, Anna Baptist became what we are called. And... Uh, um, we have some, yeah, some u- unique distinctives. One, uh, I-, I think probably the strongest would be that we hold to a peace position, um, which means that we believe in uh, what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount when he talks about really loving our enemy. And I'm stealing this phrase from someone, although I'm not sure who to source, but you know, we believe that when Jesus said to love your enemies, he probably meant don't kill them. And so we would take a peace position. Some people would call it pacifism, but we believe it's like an active pacifism in that we want to really um, love well, even when it's really hard. And so the peace position would be one uh, primary distinctive. Um, Another would be just our emphasis on simplicity. That is to say, um, we're not, we we come from the same roots as, you know, Mennonites, um, but we're not uh, horse and buggy Mennonites quite to that extent, but we believe in simplicity. Um, in our lifestyles, we believe in living simply so we can give generously. And um, and then community, an emphasis on community. And so even within our kids' curriculum, we want to emphasize the community experience of our kids and that there's not just one voice speaking into our kids' lives, but there's a plurality of voices that is the church, the body of Christ. Yes. Yeah, so I think uh, most of our listeners are familiar with different themes that you've mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, like nonviolent love mm-hmm. and the com- the church being um, having a, a thick ecclesiology. What mm-hmm. the church isn't something that individuals enjoy, but the individuals become something different yeah. in community together. Um, and then um, you referenced also. Oh shoot, I'm blanking on it. <laughs> Simplicity, simplicity. Simplicity, thank you. It's all good. Uh, Simplicity. The other thing that struck me about your book and also strikes me about the curriculum you're creating for the Meeting House is a fourth theme Mm -hmm. that we focus on a lot here at Gravity Leadership, which is centering our theology and practice on Jesus. Yes, yes. I think it's it's probably one of those things where uh, when I'm explaining things, I actually, as I clearly did, graze over because it's become so embedded into what my thinking is and how we, we um, I guess, do our theology or our, uh, what we perceive as orthodoxy or orthopraxy. Like we, we experience the Jesus centered uh, ideas all the time. And so sometimes when talking about it, to me, it feels so um, in, in woven into what we're doing, but you're exactly right. Um, we see 
you know, even when we're teaching, you know, Old Testament stories to the kids, we want to make sure that they're seeing how this points to Jesus, because this is all about Jesus and what Jesus did for us and who he is, uh, who he was, who he is, and uh, how that impacts us. And so when we're in an Old Testament story, we want to make sure that kids understand how this connects into uh, the life and um, love of Jesus, and then how that connects to us. Yeah, and so in your book, Raising Kids, you you talk about the distinctives of a Jesus-centered parenting. Mm-hmm. Could you could you maybe t- talk through a few artifact, artifacts or characteristics of, of maybe what Jesus-centered parenting is and how we, how that's distinguishable from other kinds of parenting? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, honestly, it's probably just um, putting some verbiage around something that a lot of Christian parents already do, but it's distilling it into some really uh, clear uh, thought, I think. Um, and it's And it's Simply this, um, we talk about Jesus-centered living, you know, for me as a person, me as a disciple, you, Matt, as a disciple, in the way that you follow Jesus, all of your thoughts, all of your um, decisions are being kind of uh, routed through this Jesus-centered lens in your life. Like, mm-hmm. um, we, you know, we go, we go the throwback to my teen years when WWJD was, was big and trendy, yeah. right? And we wore the yeah. bracelets. And it was a helpful reminder, honestly, for me as a teenager, what would Jesus do? And so right. I would say the framework is quite similar, quite the same in thinking, in my parenting, what, what, how am I reflecting Jesus to my kids? And how is my decision-making being actually filtered through the lens of Christ. So, yeah. for, for example, um, we're taking all of our decisions as a family to Jesus. We're thinking about, hey, we want to do this activity. Is this is this something that's going to bring us closer to Jesus? Is are we honoring Him and doing this activity? And mm. and if if for some reason that it percolates that maybe it's not uh, going to honor Him, or maybe it's becoming more of an idol than not then maybe we need to really think about what does this mean for us as a family and, and, and take it to Jesus. So it's, it's taking all of our decisions, all of our interactions, and, and really um, inviting Jesus into the family unit um, so that uh, he can help and guide us in making those decisions together. Yes, yes. In your book, you distinguish, uh, indirectly, you distinguish Jesus-centered parenting from something you call morality-centered parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you... <laughs> Natalie, mm-hmm. uh, get ready. I'm going to ask a cheeky question. I love it. What do you have against morality? Oh, I hate morality. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, no, in truth, it, it morals are great. I mean, we want our kids to be moral people. Um, yes. We want our society to be built around these morals. Absolutely. But I think the difference is that when you focus on Jesus and you're pursuing what Jesus has for you and your family, then morals are a byproduct. Jesus is the anchor. Jesus is uh, whom we are modeling ourselves after and whom we are following. We don't want to follow morals. Yes. Um, we can we can teach our kids to be good people, but there's a shallowness, I think, in, in simply being a good person, being a good person to what end? But when we follow yes. Jesus, we are um, helping our kids learn and grow in, 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 in receiving the Holy Spirit and knowing the fruit of the Spirit in their lives is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Like, these yeah. are important fruit. And so... 
I would say the shift of morals are good. There's nothing wrong with morals, but morals can be a fantastic byproduct of a Jesus-centered life. This podcast is brought to you by Gravity Leadership Academy, our 10-month online training intensive for Christian leaders who want to root their life and leadership in God's love and bring lasting transformation to their culture. In Gravity Leadership Academy, you'll learn the real-life practicalities of how to notice God's presence and activity in and around you so you can participate more fully in God's life and mission and open up space for those around you to do so too. We've worked really hard to make this training in missional leadership practical and doable. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com academy. Something that you shared in your book that was so helpful to me is that, um, you know, morals tend to focus on exteriors and externals, behaviors, if you will. So, for instance, then um, my daughter, who's eight, she lies to me and I say, hey, uh, lying's bad. Stop lying. And uh, if you lie again, you're going to get in trouble. Um, But what you do in your book is you describe there's a there's a why under the lie. Um, And and Jesus centered gets down to the why. Mm-hmm. And then cast vision for a life that is following Jesus that makes lying incomprehensible. Yes, yes. Because, right? because underneath of that is, you know, why? Well, in turn, you could say, well, when, when you lie to me, it breaks my trust. And I want to trust you yes. because our relationship is built on that. And there's love in that. And, you know, Jesus shows us what it looks like to pursue that kind of a life. And there's always a why. I think part of the... Um, and I'm using air quotes, problem uh, for many of us as we grew up was that um, we always wanted to ask the why, but there was never room to ask. And so I think mm. for us to be able to a little bit front and load that for our kids to help them get the bigger picture earlier on um, will hopefully help them in their journey. Um, so they know yeah. they can ask. They can ask. Yes, this is one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, Natalie. The, the, the work you're describing in your book you, that you're doing with kids is the work we're doing at Gravity for adults, yes. usually, which is helping them understand that they're, um, <laughs> helping them understand their choices are coming out of a, a, of a why that's compelling to them. Yes. And so part of what your book describes is formation and discipleship that doesn't just deal with thoughts and deeds, but deals with the heart Mm -hmm. and gets down to what moves us and compels us and drives Mm -hmm. us and motivates us. Yeah. Yes. And, and realistically kids are so sensitive and intuitive to that early on, you know, here's the real thing. We're born as spiritual beings. And what happens Mm. when we don't take that seriously in kids is that it, as they grow up, it numbs a little bit. And then we try to get back to that place. And it's harder to go back to that place than it is to, to attempt to stay in that place. And, oh, yeah. and so I think when we are able to cultivate that when kids are young, it's my hope, it's my dream uh, that that continues on as they grow. Um, mm. Yeah. Yes, totally. Um, you, you talk a bit in this book about Sunday school and parachurch ministries. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and if you've uh, if you've been a child in the Christian culture in North America for the last fifty years, you've experienced both of these. Mm-hmm. Would uh, would you? I think you have a really healthy perspective. I think both Sunday school, well, Sunday school has an interesting uh, beginning to it, yeah. uh, evangelistically, right? Yeah. Maybe maybe offer that if, sure. if you would, yeah. and then also parachurch and the complicated. 
how it's complex, the work that they do for us. Yes. And I will, you know, shout from the rooftops that I think both are so great and so important. Well, you uh, write Sunday school curriculum for a living. I do. I do. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. and, and guess what? Parachurch organizations actually use it as well as churches. So um, I am thankful for all of them. But, you huh. know, I, I found the root of Sunday school so fascinating. So this comes back to, throws back to a couple hundred years ago when um, kids were, were working, there was, you know, child labor going on and they were working six days a week. Kids were working. And wow. when it got to the seventh day, it was Sunday and it was their day to rest and they didn't have to work. Well, these kids were working, they weren't schooled. And so the churches thought brilliant idea before you know, our service, we will have a Sunday school, literally a school to help these kids who are working for a living um, become literate. And their text, their only text was the Bible. And so it was kind of a, mm. a clever um, integration of, you know, genuinely offering this skill set of learning to read, becoming literate for these kids, and at the same time, um, evangelizing to them. Yeah. And so then, out of that, um, isn't it crazy kind of how we've come from there to these elaborate Sunday schools that we have today for, mm. for a variety of different reasons and all good reasons. Um, but mm. the, the, the root of Sunday school is that. And then through the years, um, Sunday school morphed to service more the church community. Um, and we became professionals in that realm of, um, of discipling kids. And then through the years with both Sunday school and then youth group uh, was created yes. Uh, yes. to, and I'm, I'm quoting somebody and I can't recall who, maybe it was Billy Graham uh, to win back our youth uh, in the sixties and seventies. Mm. Isn't that, have you heard that before? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then this uh, whole youth group movement grew and began and, um, and, and through the years, we've kind of outsourced the discipleship model for our kids and our youth to these professionals. Yes. And uh, forgotten a little bit the role that we have as parents in that. Now, the kids and youth ministry people are wonderful. And I think it's our job, and I tell myself in there as a kid, kids and youth ministry uh, person, to mm. partner well with parents. Because parents are the primary disciplers of their kids. And the kids and youth ministry people, we get to come alongside parents and encourage them and support them and resource them. Yes. You know, one of the things I feel, I have an 11-year-old mm -hmm. and an 8-year-old. One of the things I feel in the midst of parenting them both is, gosh, like I'm, I'm still learning at 43, Natalie, how to meet with God myself. Yes. How to how to um, order my day and discipline my time unto my own flourishing. Mm. And then you have like stages of development and personality <laughs> differences and uh, they're all over the spiritual map, you know, mm -hmm. um, like my daughter is creative and uh, artistic and she just has this deep belief in like the mad, I want to say magical, mm. like, it's not a leap for her yep. to think about angels and God because she believes in the tooth fairy and she believes in leprechauns and she believes in Santa Claus. I mean, it's just her world. Right. Um, but my son is this analytical scientific mm. answer questions. Dad, if evolution is true, why do we need God? Like those kinds mm. of things for him mm -hmm. and like discipling them both is crazy different. Yeah. And uh, I just want to contend that um, the, the most, I think the most, helpful part of your book for me was the last half 
mm-hmm. where you go through different stages of life for kids. Mm-hmm. And then, this is so helpful, you give practical, tangible things that, for instance, you should do with a three-year-old mm-hmm. versus what you should do with a 13-year-old. <laughs> Spiritual practices that you can do with them that'll be helpful for them. Yes. Um, what? How did you, where did you get this uh brilliance from is what I want to know. Like, oh how did gosh. you learn this stuff? You know what? This is, uh, I, I joke, okay, I'm 35 years old and I wrote a book on parenting. Like to me, that's just bonkers. And that's, that's the Lord because all I really did was um, crowdsource um, all of the wisdom and ideas and thoughts that I've gotten from people through the years. Yeah. And I mean, I, I have done a lot of learning, a lot of study on stages of development and all this kinds of thing when it comes to, you know, pedagogy and, and how kids are learning and stuff. Um, and so there are cognitive development factors in, but then the spiritual development factors in, and then personality factors in. Um, but there are certain things that really do kind of root us all through the years. And so um, that some, mm. of those, some of those things that you mentioned, Matt, come from... Um, talking to parents through the years and trying to help troubleshoot with them where they're at and hearing what worked really well for them and what totally bombed as well. And recognizing that every kid, as you mentioned with your kids, they're so different, but we have the opportunity to make space for them uh, to have, um, um, to be introduced to different spiritual practices and have spiritual experiences. So we have the ability as parents to make space and to invite them. Um, we can't force it, uh, cause it, it won't work. Um, but we can make space and invite and, and pray. And I think, I, I, I hope that that becomes very clear through my book that I think the number one thing we can do as parents, apart from loving our children, obviously is to be praying for them fervently. Yeah. Yeah. That comes through like every stage mm-hmm. is yeah. pray for them. Yeah. Continue to pray for them yeah. and pray for them. Yeah. yeah. And then when uh, they get older and, the, and you pray even more for them. I, I've heard. Yes. Anyways. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Um, Natalie, uh, one of the, th- one of the practices that you contend for in this book at various stages of development is uh, what I would just, you know, maybe call like a modernized examine mm. where you process and debrief the day mm-hmm. and you seek, you seek um, understanding and awareness of, where God was at work and where you mm-hmm. felt his absence. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you just maybe share a little bit about how that practice looks in your life with your kid? Yeah, it's, it's really pretty simple. It's saying, you know, um, where did, where did you see God in your day or, or thinking through your day from the early morning uh, through, you know, think what you did in the morning at lunchtime, after lunch, you know, pre dinner, going through all those pieces and then saying, uh, mm-hmm. did you feel God's love at any point in the day? Did you see God at work at any point in the day? Yes. And sometimes, yes. sometimes the answer is easy and sometimes it's, I'm not, I'm not totally sure. And that's okay. And then going back through and saying, you know, is there anything where God was kind of nudging you that maybe you missed and, and tomorrow will be a better uh, version of that and going through mm-hmm. the same thing and seeing where, um, you know, cause we all do it, right. We all go back through our, Well, I, I do it. I have an anxious mind. So I go back through my day 25 different times and, uh, I'll go, Oh man, I really miss that opportunity there. And instead of turning that into a dow- downward spiral of shame and guilt, you offer it up to God and say, God, please help me to do that better tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. Another thing that I've been exploring with my kids and I sort of stumbled into this 
uh, <laughs> I felt sheepish about it, and now I'm seeing books about it. And I wonder if you have experience with it or can help um, maybe point us in certain directions. Is is a, doing imaginative prayer with my kids? Yes, 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 um, absolutely. So, so could you just share a little bit about what that is and why that's so important for children? Yeah, I love imaginative prayer. So it, it comes from this this um, ancient guy named uh, Ignatius. Uh, it's uh, Ignatius of, of Loyola. He uh, believed that the Holy Spirit partners with our imagination. And of course, why wouldn't the Holy Spirit? God created us as imaginative beings. And uh, Yes, but there's, come on, you know there's a modern suspicion. <laughs> modern, I mean philosophical. Modern suspicion about the imagination. That's yes. where the... That's where demons hang out. That's mm-hmm. where the slippery slope is. Uh, why can't we just stay in the firm foundation of the intellect? Mm, because right? there's so much that we miss in the firm foundation of the intellect. And <laughs> with imaginative prayer, I think it's such a beautiful capturing of the childlike in some of the best possible ways. So allowing yeah. kids to use their imagination, you know, um, there's, there's a couple of different kind of uh, uh, ways that this can play out. One, uh, I'll just mention two, but one, um, with with my daughter in the past, we've done this thing where we simply call it sitting with Jesus. And, and I guess it's kind of like an imaginative prayer meets, um, I don't know, a little bit of contemplative um, praying. But we just close our eyes and sometimes show, mention a place, a space. So one time we were sitting in a, in a, in a, beautiful um, meadow kind of a thing. And we'll just imagine we're there with Jesus. And so we're Mm. quiet and we both imagine for a couple of minutes. And, you know, it's really neat to see the way I believe that the Holy Spirit partners with our imagination because, you know, Jesus will do one thing with me and another thing with her and both will be very meaningful for where we're at in our lives. Mm. Um, And so it's, it's really quite simple, but then you just talk about it a little bit. What was that like? What did Jesus say or do? Or how did he look at you? Or where were you? Where was he? And that kind of a thing. Um, the other version yeah. that I think is is pretty cool as well. And cool for kids who feel like they've heard every Bible story ever and don't maybe want to engage. That's my 11-year-old. Do you know these kids? I happen to know I know them. that kid. Yeah. Yep. I, I probably was that kid. And, <laughs> and so, <laughs> um, you know, um, setting up a Bible story where you're reading... And you're encouraging them throughout to imagine. So maybe their eyes are closed, which just eliminates distraction for many of us. And you read um, a gospel narrative. Um, and, you know, as the gospel narrative is going through, you say, where are you in this story? Or maybe who are you in this story? Because sometimes mm-hmm. in our imaginations, we relate to certain disciples more than others or certain characters or maybe we're on the outside on the on the fringes of the story for some reason and and then you say what do you feel and what do you smell and and what do you hear and it's really neat the way that we can start to enter into a story in a brand new way um Mm. and then at the end you know getting to a place where well what did you know assuming it was a gospel story where jesus is active and doing something what did you see in Jesus? And did he, did he say anything to you? Did you um, interact with him? Did, and, and being able to work through the story, it makes the whole scripture come alive in a fresh and new way in our imaginations that I think yeah. is really cool. Yeah. So Natalie, as, uh, so this is, 
powerful stuff. So one of the things I'm thinking through, if I've never done this and I have concerns about it, mm. like what do I do if my 10-year-old says, well, uh, Jesus had a machine gun and he was he was shooting down the Pharisees because they're idiots. And then he gave me a gun and I helped him pick off a few of those foolios. Like what do we do when kids say things in the imaginative times that are maybe outside of where we would want them to like, <laughs> you know, traverse theologically. What do you do with that? Yeah, no. And I think it's reminding them what we know of who Jesus is within scripture and to say, you know, that that's, that's kind of silly or okay. We're limiting your screen time for the near future. Um, <laughs> no more Rambo reruns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to say, you know, do you, you know, pushing them a little bit in a loving way to say, you know, you know who Jesus is. Is is this really what yeah. you believe and perceive he would do? And yeah. I think nine times out of ten, your kid's going to recognize that. Yeah. Um, and so coming back to scripture as, as seeing the person of Jesus as who we know him to be, and that yeah. is full of love, and yeah. uh, somebody who wouldn't pick up a machine gun um, right. or, you know, deviate in that way. Right. Yeah. Well, um, I heartily commend this this book, Raising Kids. Um, it's, raising Disciples. It's, raising Disciples. Sorry, I keep <laughs> That's playing okay. the wrong. That's the okay. wrong. Yeah, but it's, it is about discipleship of our kids, mm-hmm. and it's written for not only parents, but also aunts and uncles, friends. If, if you have, if you are in a, so we have community groups. Yeah. And one of the things that delights me is that my kids think that my friends are their friends too. Yes. So they have other adults in their life where that that take them seriously, uh, and so if you're one of those people, like this is a great book for you. Um, I wonder if we could close, Natalie, by just maybe talking a bit about the curriculum that you've developed at the Meeting House. Where where can people go to find that? Yeah, absolutely. So very simply, they can go to curriculum.church, and everything is easily downloadable and um, it comes in a series which are basically like one month um, kind of segments and it there is curriculum offered from one years old all the way through to the end of high school so it's it's all there um, yes yeah easily found. we've been like I said earlier we've been using it at my church the table for the last three years it's been really good for our kids it fits right in with sort of the Jesus-centered discipleship focus what is God saying to you the, the the ethos of our church it fits really well into that and right now uh, you might be changing this but right now it's free right yeah that's right so right now it's a donation based model um, in truth and not to to hide anything we are moving towards a paid model but it'll still be significantly um, lesser than most things that well anything that is on within the curriculum sphere right now we want to make it as accessible as possible but also recognizing that there is a cost involved and our church has front end loaded that cost to make it um, what it is but uh, we need to be able to continue it on long term totally uh, yeah totally well we would pay um I'd, i'd pay a lot of money for this it's really well done it's well produced our kids love it we actually do you have lots of back videos yes, yeah. on your site. And we'll do that for like weekend devotions together. I love it. Uh, yeah. Around breakfast. So uh, Nellie, thank you so much. How can people connect with you? Maybe are you on social media at all? <laughs> I am on social media. <laughs> Strange as that might be. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah. So very simply, if they want to, you know, send a message to me or find out something, they can just go to nataliefrisk.com. It's mm-hmm. a really 
um, low budget website, but they can find, uh, contact me there or, um, I'm on Twitter, Natalie Frisk, uh, Facebook, all, all the places. There are not very many Natalie Frisks in the world. So I'm pretty easy to find. There aren't many Matt Tebbies either. Oh, there you go. (laughs) The book again is Raising Disciples, How to Make Faith Matter for Our Kids. Natalie, thank you. Thank you so much, Matt. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke, Matt Tebby, and Ben Hardman. Aaron Sternke does our mixing and mastering. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. If you find our podcast helpful, share it with your friends in person and on social media. And don't forget to rate and review us online as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free at gravityleadership.com join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, make a comment, send us an idea, a recommendation, recipe, whatever. You can email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.